0: Hi, and welcome back to that happy habit, the podcast. I am your host Meg Goodman, and this is episode two. Today, we're going to be discussing my journey with food and what I currently do now to support that journey and that relationship. Um, but before we get into all of that, we are going to do a little bit of a life update. So, over the last week, well, it's been two weeks since I've talked to you guys, so The week before that, we just did lots and lots of housework, where we're getting things done, getting the garden ready, um, figuring out we had to do some drainage underneath the house, so just figuring out how to go about that and do that, Um, like the little jobs that come with owning a house, which is fun and a little bit mundane, but still exciting nonetheless. And then last week, we went on holiday around the South Island, so those of you who know me know that I live in the South Island of New Zealand, Um, and I did a tiki tour up with my fiancé. We went up the West Coast, so we headed to Queenstown, Wanaka, Haast, Greymouth, Nelson, Blenheim, Picton, and then we were going to head back to Christchurch, but then something happened, and I'll get into that in a moment because it's a little bit funny. But, um, yeah, so some of my highlights from the trip I thought I'd go through, so (laughs) some funny stories. Um, when we were in Haast, we um, we thought, oh, you know, people warned us about the sandflies, and they are not going to be as bad as people say because you know people exaggerate. They were not exaggerating. There were so many sandflies. I don't think we've ever been attacked like that. We we were in our campsite and it ended up being that we was quite crammed and there wasn't a lot of space. So we thought, well, I want to get on the road. We'll pull over and we'll take the barbecue out and we'll make our coffee on the road. Worst decision we made the entire trip. We got out and we're like, this little bay doesn't look too bad. I think it was called Knight's Point. And we were out, got the barbecue out and we'd started setting up to make our coffee and it was all well and good. But then it started, there was just a swarm and they just were everywhere. Josh said he looked at me and my back had about 20 or 30 mozzies just on it. And I was like, this is gross. So we packed, shoved everything back in the car and packed up and we were on our way. And we were like, we're never visiting house again. But I suppose in that moment, we were quite negative about it. But it was actually really fun and quite funny. So it's a good thing to look back on. And then in Greymouth, we saw my little brother, which was really lovely. Um, went out for dinner with him. And I was very surprised with how much I liked Greymouth. We had the best time at the campsite there. Um, and then we moseyed on up to Nelson. On the way, we went to the Pancake Rocks and stopped at Buller Bridge, which is New Zealand's longest swing bridge, which was really cool. Um, and then in Nelson, we went f- quite a few places. We started going to Terry to have a look at the Able Tasman. We didn't go across because the weather wasn't, like, the best and it was a little bit expensive and we were quite on the budget. Um, and then we came back down. We visited New Zealand's oldest pub because me and my partner quite enjoyed beer. So that was a really lovely stop. They had a really yummy non-alcoholic ginger beer, which was really yum. And then we got a hazy and we just shared, which was great. Um... And then what did we do after that? Oh, we went to Pix Peanut Butter World and I didn't know I was going to love it as much as I did. It was so much fun. We got to taste peanut butter and the lady, I got chatting to the lady and she just was like, you are radiating warm energy and excitement. She goes, do you want a tour? We've closed off the of tours, but do you want to come around? I'll take you around for free. And I was like, this is the best day ever. I was just so excited and she was just so lovely and We got to taste the peanut butter see where it came from. And I came out with a few jars of peanut butter, a t-shirt, some cool earrings. And those who know me know that I love wearing funky earrings to school. So I'm excited to wear those to school when term starts again. But that was really fun. Um, And I say it was a massive highlight. Then we went back to campsite. um, Along with being in Nelson, we saw my cousin who's a radio presenter up there. That was really fun. Um, and then we got to Blenheim, we did a tour around the vineyards, um, our Blenheim campsite was just okay, it wasn't anywhere lovely, so we just got up in the morning and kept going. Um, and then we got up to Picton and Josh started feeling quite sick, so we thought, oh, that's not good, he might just have a cold, you know, nothing major, and then we went to Toasty in Picton and that was epic food. If you're ever going through Picton, New Zealand, you need to go to Toasty because Oh, they had so many pickles in that toasted sandwiches and I was so happy with it. But then we drove down and we got almost into Christchurch where we were going to stay with Josh's cousins, which we miss and love. So we were just so gutted that we didn't get to see them because Josh tested positive for COVID for the third time. So... So we started our, or continued our journey home. So we drove for 10 hours on Friday to get home. And we were both pretty over being in the car. But I just spent yesterday lying on the couch reading and just enjoying being home again. But he's he's doing okay. He's not super unwell. I think today's better than the last few days have been. So we'll just take it as it comes and go for round three. But I still have managed to avoid it to this stage. Um, He said it three times and I've had it none. Um, but I'm just not holding my breath because I've got work I start, go back to work tomorrow in a school holiday program, which I'll tell you about when we do the next podcast, which I love. Um, but I just, I just don't want to get it because it'd be such an inconvenience to have to block out that week. But I suppose life goes on and you can only do what you can do. So we're going to hold it there. Now, over the holiday section, I read a few books. But one, the one I read yesterday is actually going to be my recommendation for the week because I sat down and I binged the entire book. Like, I think I read about four chapters while we're away. And then yesterday, I could not put it down. It was called Verdi by Colleen Hoover. And I know that, like, she's quite trending at the moment and everyone's reading her books. And I totally see why i read quite a few of her books, and I find them such easy reads, and I think that's my appeal to them. Um, but Verdi didn't, it didn't remind me of her other books, and I think it really shone to me because it was kind of, it was a little more thriller-y, and I love like thrillers and Stephen King and that's kind of a normal genre for me to read um so if you're looking for a good book Birdie by Colleen Hoover was awesome and I'll pop the information for that book in the show notes but anyway let's get into the main episode thanks for listening to me ramble about my life. Alrighty before we get into the section where I discuss my journey with food and what I do to support it now I really want to preface a trigger warning Um, I've struggled with my relationship with food and I've never been diagnosed with anything. So I've never gone to a doctor and sat down and talked about this. I'm an unqualified professional. I have done my nutrition degree, but I have not gone through the registration process. So I'm not a registered nutritionist in New Zealand. I can get you in touch with people who are, if you do need extra support in that area. But I strongly recommend that you listen to this with, with a grain of salt and just with a little bit of caution if this is an area you struggle with the words I what I'm saying that I do for myself is not something that I would recommend for anyone else to do without guidance from a professional I'm just sharing my experience because I I feel like when I was in in a really awful stage with my binge eating or with my hiding of food I would have loved to have heard someone else's experience just to recognize that it's not normal um yeah i just really i really want to push that if this is something you're not comfortable with please do not listen to this episode or just um sign off here and thank you for coming along on this journey right we're gonna start right back into stages that i found significant during my food journey um so i think i can sum up childhood because obviously you're a kid now I had really early signs of binge eating and hiding food and body dysmorphia. So when I was little, I used to hide lollies down the side of my bed. Now, I know that that sounds funny and I laugh about it now, but I've done a lot of um, journaling and reflecting on how that impacted me. So I used to be so scared to eat that kind of stuff in front of my family that I would hide it down the side of my bed and I would eat it at night time because I wanted it um and I'm not saying that necessarily there was anything wrong with what my family did but it was just it's all internal for me and I really struggled with the idea of eating what I wanted in front of people um and then I was always the last kid at the table like so you know you have those big platter tables when you're a kid at a like a birthday party I was the first kid for the food and I was the last kid for the food. I was always hungry and I just could not stop eating. And I used to get, um, I used to, like, people would make comments about it and about my weight and they were so subtle, but they, they really impacted me. I would get little comments like, oh, Meg's always the last one at the table or, um, look at Meg, she's going back up for more food. And I used to laugh about it, but it really hurt and, it, and I'm still working through it now. Um, but so that was when I was just a kid. And then I moved on to boarding school. Um, and the hiding food trend continued. And if anything, it got worse because I was in a space where I was the biggest girl in the room. Um, or in my mind, I was. I probably wasn't. But I honestly couldn't remember or tell you now if I wasn't. Um, I felt like I was the biggest girl in the room and I would be shamed for eating what I wanted to eat. So I used to hide it in my drawers at boarding school rather than eat a big meal at dinner. So I would um, make sure that my meal at dinner was small so that people thought I was trying to lose weight or I was looking out for what I'm eating or I was being quote-unquote healthy, um, which is just heartbreaking now to think about. Not that the food at it- boarding school was delicious or nutritious anyway but I just the fact that I felt that I didn't want to take potatoes at dinner because I thought all oh, the boys on my table might think I'm fat and it got even worse when I got into year 13 but that's a whole other section that I'll go into soon um boarding school had this really awful vibe of being shamed if you were a girl going up for seconds so I refused to even consider that an option Um, And then what would happen because of this, this is when binge eating really started for me. I would get so hungry that I would just binge eat and it was out of my control. Like I would see a lot, like one time I ate an entire loaf of bread because it was dead on me at the table. And I was so uncomfortably full, but I forced myself to keep going. And situations like that, I'm just... I can't even believe I've put my body through that. I drank three litres of orange juice on a deer and felt so uncomfortably sick and these habits of binge eating just kept becoming prevalent in my life and I had no control over them at such a young age. I think I was 15 when this really got bad um, and it paired with a lot of um, unnecessary exercise, which is a whole nother episode I'm going to have to do separately but then we got into year 13, so I travelled to India at the end of my year 12 with my best friend, which is amazing. Um, and over there, the meat was awful, um, and I got really sick from the meat, so I became a vegetarian. I was vegetarian for a long time after that. Um And I actually think this is the first time I used dietary restrictions as a tool to not eat. So I used it as an excuse or as an opportunity to go, no, I don't eat that, sorry, but thank you, Um, and really block out that level of, I have to say no because I don't want to look fat. It was just, I say no because I don't eat that. Um, And that became really prevalent in the dining room at boarding school when I would just get served two corn fritters for dinner which is everyone knows that's not what you need for dinner Um, and I would just be starving so then I'd go back to the house and I would make toast and I would make pikelets and I would make brownie and I would make cake because I was hungry I was not fueling my body with enough nutrients and enough nutrition to keep myself going but I had such an un healthy relationship with exercise that I thought I was fit and I thought I was strong and I thought I was healthy but I wasn't I was possibly as far from it as I could have been and then I used to try all these strange diets like I would do no eating carbs after three o'clock because it worked for my sister I would make sure that I didn't eat oats for breakfast because oats were gonna make fat I switched to soy milk because I thought that you know it's more nutritious than cow's milk Um, And I made all these little changes that really just messed with my head. And then I moved into university um, and I gained, was it, 15 kilos. So I became, I think it was my heaviest weight of 110 kilos. And I remember the day that someone, like, she told me that I needed to do something about my weight. And I walked in to get my birth control. And she said to me, look, the pill's not going to work as a contraceptive for you because you weigh too much. I left in an absolute state of tears. I was a mess um, because in my mind, I'd been doing all the right things. I'd been starving myself. I hadn't been fueling my body. I had been making sure that my meal sizes were small, but then it would always, always, always lead to a binge eating session in my room with the door closed so nobody else could see. I used to have chocolates and lollies and cakes and everything that you could imagine I had it locked in my room so that nobody else could see it at hostel at a um, a university sorry um and then I took the controlling side of my food a step further I became a vegan um and I don't want to shun this on anyone that is vegan because I was vegan for four years and I loved my time being vegan And I have come to realise that my use of veganism wasn't as a tool to help me, it was as a tool to control me. So I'm really reflecting on why I became vegan and I think I owe my brother an apology because we got in a few arguments about about veganism. um, And he was absolutely right, it was a phase for me Um, and I'm okay to admit that now. But I had some mad mental issues going on that I, I didn't even know I was facing. So I really used veganism as a tool to control my eating. And I think in that year, I lost about 10 kilos. Um, so such a dramatic weight gain and such dramatic weight loss is not sustainable. And I want to prove this that I am not promoting that this is healthy. I am not saying you should go do this. This was the worst thing I possibly could have done to, to help myself. And then I went into flatting. And the cycle of starving, binging, hiding food, um, refusing to eat with my flatmates, eating in my bedroom, it all continued. And if anything, it got so much worse because I love cooking with friends and I love creating food for others and I loved baking. So I, I really struggled with having this awful dysmorphia with food and not being able to share my passion for food with my flatmates. Um and then I worked in a cafe and I worked in cafes the whole time through that and I always used to find if I ate at work I just felt like I was being a let down like I was like oh, I don't need to eat I'm just working I don't need to eat it's not necessary I can just keep going or I'll just have a coffee I'm fine and it was such that awful cycle that I just kept falling into this trap and it kept happening now you might be thinking right so you studied nutrition how can someone who studied nutrition have such an awful relationship with food and i ask myself the same thing every day i i actually do not know i was sitting in, in my, so I'm in my little office right now i was sitting in my little office the other day doing do the do it for your future self course by georgie stevenson the rise and conquer project and i looked up and i saw four dieting books sitting an eye line in front of me. How to lose weight. Why sugar's lying to you. Get, uh, stay lean, get mean. And I was just like, why am I surrounding my environment with these awful, awful controlling factors? I don't want these in front of me. So I literally picked them up and I put them in the bin. And I had considered going to take them down to the little book place on the corner and donating them, but I I thought... I do not want anyone else to have to go through this experience that I've just, that I've just, that I'm just building myself out of. I really, I really didn't want to put this on anyone else. So I thought, you know, I'm going to put them in the bin. And it was such a powerful moment for me. And that was only two weeks ago. So I'm still learning what, what eating looks like for me. But because I'd spent so many years crushing my relationship with food I really struggled to take my own advice so I'd learned all of this stuff at university I'd learned um all about vitamins minerals what my body needs I learned that my gosh I was not eating enough food I was not eating enough protein I was not eating enough carbohydrates I was controlling my eating in such an awful way um and then I just I really struggled to take my own advice and this has really been in the last six months I've gotten better um but I I wouldn't say I'm 100% healed. I still have awful moments. Like the other day I was driving home and I ate a chocolate bar in the car and thought, well, I better eat it before I get home to see Josh because I don't want Josh to see me eating this chocolate bar. And I was like, that's so ridiculous. Josh doesn't care. Josh would probably go, oh, I'll have some too. Or like he wouldn't, he wouldn't judge me for it. And I, it breaks my heart that I still feel that I have to hide that from him. And I know, I know he's, he's been, Josh is the best and he would never, but I don't, I don't know why there's something inside my brain that goes, I can't eat lollies or chocolate in front of people. And if I do, I have to binge it because, you know, that's, that's how it goes. That's what we did at boarding school. We'd all sit around and eat giant blocks of chocolate all together and we'd binge the whole thing. So if I'm going to do that, I have to do that. I just, I trained my brain in such an awful way and I'm still battling to get out of it. Um, I definitely have had massive issues with food but then this got it got interesting because I realized I was having massive issues with gluten um and struggling to just consume food in general like when I did start to eat properly my body would just react and I'd have awful bowel movements and I'd be gassy and bloated and uncomfortable um so I came to realize I have issues with consuming large amounts of gluten Um, so when I was working at my vegan cafe, there was so much gluten in the food and it really interrupted with my tummy. So I've now worked out that I can eat some amounts of gluten, but I just some things really don't work. Like um, if I eat gluten first thing in the morning, I'm gonna feel uncomfortable all day. So on a working day, I just make sure my breakfast doesn't have gluten and my lunch is nutritionally dense in different ways. Um And I consume enough snacks throughout the day so that I'm not starving by the end of the day and then binge eating a whole loaf of bread because that can happen. Um, So I just find that's been a whole roller coaster and learning that lentils sometimes actually don't work well with me. But um, I'm on a whole nother journey at the moment of figuring out what this is linked to my cycle, so my menstrual cycle. Um, I'll do a whole nother episode on that because I've really extremely struggled with contraception and trying to figure out how my period works so that I have a a hunch is linked in but I'm currently trying to expand how I am going to learn about my hormones and trying to get that all in cycle so I'll give you an update on that once I'm a little bit further into it and I have a bit of a more understanding of where I'm at with myself Um, but I just want to go through a few of the things that I do now to support my eating now again I want to say this one more time these are not these are not Bible these are not something you should go out and do these are just what is working for me at the moment um, one I habit track my meals but I don't cal- calorie count so it helps me check in with my body to see if I'm eating enough throughout the day and it actually helps me stop my binge eating or it recognizes if I'm wanting to binge I can look and go why. Um, and I would go, oh, you didn't eat breakfast this morning. You're hungry. Absolutely, eat some more food. Um, but it's trying. I'm trying to learn the difference between, binge eating because it's there and binge eating because I haven't eaten enough food in the day. Um, but something that really didn't work for me during this time that I didn't mention was calorie counting. I used my fitness pal. Oh my goodness, way too much, and it is like cursed for me now. I can't even, I tried to just put in a meal to see how much calories were in it and I had to delete the app because I was like, this is going to get unhealthy real quick. So I I don't track my calories, I, but I feel very fortunate that I have the nutritional background of being a nutritionist that I can look back on and go, right, so I know how much is in this meal roughly and I know that I'm getting calcium, magnesium, but like all the vitamins and minerals I need from this meal. Um... Um, Number two that I do is cook food I enjoy. So try new recipes, branch out. Um, I'm trying to really get back to enjoying cooking food because I really limited that for such a long time and I love cooking and I love being in the kitchen. Um, And something else I do during the week to support that is I meal prep on a Sunday. So I spend most of my Sunday meal prepping food and getting ready. But I love it because then I have food I love throughout the entire week and I'm prepared Um, recognize and sit with when I'm feeling obsessive hiding or I'm binging food so I'm trying to learn to not shame myself for it and I think even having this conversation with you guys is, is is a step I'm learning and I'm opening up but I'm recognizing when I'm having those those feelings and those struggles and I sit with it and I journal and go why do I feel guilty for eating that after dinner why do I feel guilty for going back up and picking potatoes off the tray the roast potato tray and eating another whole serving size when I should have just put more on my plate in the first place and gone yeah this is how much I need and this is how much I want um another thing that I'm doing is I'm spending time appreciating that food will affect the way i feel so understanding that if i get up in the morning and eat a chocolate cake for breakfast that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but it might impact my day so am i eating what is aligned with my goals for the day so if i want to sit at home and lie on the couch and read a book piece of chocolate cake in the morning it's going to hit the spot but if i want to get up and i have to go for a run i have to go do all this productive stuff get stuff done for the business go to work I that's not the best way to start my day I need to be starting with a protein heavy nutritious meal um so as I'm learning about all of this I found I thought this would be a really valuable thing to share I just wanted to recap over the things that I do to support my eating so that was number one I keep in check with my meals and I listen to my body to see if I'm eating enough Two, I cook food that I enjoy and I meal prep throughout the week. Um, Three, I recognise and sit with my feelings when I'm obsessing, hiding or binging food. And I journal that as well. And four, I spend time appreciating that food has an effect on my body and it'll impact the way I feel. Thank you for listening to this episode of That Happy Habit. I hope that you have enjoyed the content and you've been able to take something away. If you have any questions, queries or comments, please feel free to message me over on Instagram at thathappyhabit. We are building a community on Facebook as well, so if you want to become a part of that, please head to That Happy Habit, the Facebook group, and come and join us there. Along with all of this, if you have time, please leave a review, rate, comment, and subscribe to our channel. Thank you so much. Bye.